You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about um, just the, the, the desire for unity that God has for the church, for his people that make up the church, for us to experience a deep level of unity together. And we saw last week where that unity is kind of rooted. And so I want to read our verses from last week to set the context for where we'll be today. Um, So if you have your Bibles, looking in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You see these things that Paul mentions as the grounds for our unity, and we said that true believers unite around these things, that true believers are called to to see the commonality that we share in these core truths about the gospel and what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to submit to him. Um, We said that our unity is not based on a passing fad where uh, in a few years these things are irrelevant or no longer applicable to us. These are things that have been rooted in, in really eternity past, these things that, that God has put in place to unite his people. Um, we highlighted some of these last week, the idea of there being one body, that we make up the, the one body, the one uh, church that belongs to Christ, his bride, uh, that's manifested in local churches uh, throughout the world, but together, collectively, we make up that one body, the one spirit who has worked the same in all of us, right? We talked last week about how the Holy Spirit does different things in our life, but the thing that we share in common is that we all came to Christ the same way, right? You may have come earlier in life, later in life. You may have come as a result of a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, whatever that may be. There's differences in how we came to Christ, and yet we came to Christ the same way. The Holy Spirit worked in our hearts, prompting us to uh, see Jesus for who he is, to repent of our sins because the word was being presented to us. So there's commonality that we share in how we came to Christ and we enjoy that unity together. The one hope that belongs to us, uh, despite the fact that we'll have differences of opinions about how the end times play out, what we agree upon is that Jesus is coming back for his people. And that's our hope in the midst of suffering and trials and difficulties. Jesus is coming back and he's our one Lord. And there's a one faith aspect that we profess in him, these core truths of the gospel. And this idea of one baptism isn't trying to push one mode of baptism over another. So we didn't get into discussions about sprinkling and immersion. We didn't get into discussions about infant baptism or baptism after professions of faith. What we said is that the baptism that's being talked about is this identification that we have with the work of Jesus. We are baptized into Christ, right? He is the one who saves us. It's his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we have that in common. We share that together. And we have this one God and Father of all. We talked about how he is the God of all. He is sovereign over all. He is in all, through all, over all. And yet he's also our Father. And the comfort that comes with that is that he works all things that he is in control of for our good. And so this is the unity that we share as believers. We share a unity in our identity, in our testimony, and in our heavenly Father. But then we come to verse 7, and we shift a little bit away from the unity that we enjoy, and he begins to talk once again about the diversity that exists amongst the church, and really why that should be celebrated. So look at verse 7, and we're only going to be in verse 7 today. I'm going to read for you uh, down through uh, some more of chapter 4 to set the context, but we are going to camp out in verse 7 only today. It says, but grace was given 
to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Our summary sentence for today. As Christians, we each have been given grace-based abilities to serve each other in the church as an outflowing of our experience with the Holy Spirit through the Word. As Christians, we each have been given grace-based abilities to serve each other in the church as an outflowing of our experience with the Holy Spirit through the Word. For our kids, all Christians have been gifted to serve other Christians by the Holy Spirit. So we saw last week and in the weeks prior to that, this unity of truth that we cling to. Verses four through six specifically telling us that we have this truth, this oneness about us in our belief system. What we're going to see as we move into verse seven and beyond is that that truth that we cling to, the unity that we have in our belief system, it's meant to spur us on to loving and serving others in response to what we're learning. Okay, so it's not this stagnant, Uh, doctrine or theology that we hold to about what we believe about Jesus and the church and his word, we learn these things, we deepen our understanding of these things so that we can then turn around and love each other and serve each other well. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. You'll see some of the common themes here in Peter that we've been seeing in the book of Ephesians. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he tells us that we were initially saved by being obedient to the truth that was presented to us. We responded to the gospel. And then we keep coming back to God's word to grow up into our salvation. Why? So that we can love each other well so that we can love one another earnestly from a pure heart, so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel that we've responded to, right? So the idea here is that this truth that we highlighted last week, this commonality that we share in our beliefs about who Jesus is, and we may differ on secondary doctrines, and I told you last week I want this to always be a place where we can come and worship together, even if we don't agree about everything about God's word. If we can agree about the core elements of God's word, then we can worship together, celebrate him together, and love and serve each other well. And so Paul and Peter together in these books are telling us, look, learn through God's word, learn these truths, and then serve each other well in light of what you've learned. All right, so going back to Ephesians 4, 
He talks about us being given grace. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, this grace that's being mentioned here in verse 7, most of the time when we think of grace, we're thinking salvation-type grace, right? Um, but this, this word here is being used not with, um, not with salvation in mindset. Instead, it has to do with uh, varying levels of grace being given for how we serve each other, okay? So the, the word grace here mentioned in verse 7 is not coming with the idea of salvation. So we don't have differing levels of being saved, right? So it's not that you're mostly saved or somewhat saved, but that guy over there is really saved, right? Like we're not, we're not talking about differing levels of salvation type grace. We are talking about differing levels of grace that's been given to us for how we serve and live out our faith. So instead, it has to do with varying levels of grace given to serve within the context of the church. And Paul has used grace this way earlier in chapter 3. You'll remember flipping back to verse 2 in chapter 3, it says, Uh, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly. What's he saying? God gave me grace to know certain things about him and his plan, and I've now turned around and used those for you, right? So it's a grace-type gift that was given to Paul so that he could communicate revelation and truth to the people here. It says in verse 7 of chapter 3, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul says, I was given a level of grace to be a gospel teacher, specifically to the Gentiles. Okay, so this idea of grace is that we've been given something by God to then be used for him. While Paul has written tirelessly to help us see the unity we possess in spite of the diversity we bring, he now transitions He now transitions to calling us to celebrate the diversity and individuality we maintain in the midst of the unity we enjoy. Look at that together. He's talked about the unity that we possess. So we're really different. We come from all walks of life, all different kinds of backgrounds. Uh, We make different levels of money. We live in different neighborhoods. Uh, We have different types of parents and grandparents. We have different spiritual heritages, right? Like all kinds of diversity. He's talked a lot about how we're unified, though, in the gospel so that we can set aside those differences and find a oneness together. But now he transitions to calling us to celebrate the diversity, to celebrate the individuality that we maintain in the midst of that unity that we enjoy. So what he's trying to help us see is that we don't set aside our individuality when we come to Christ. Yes, we're unified. Yes, we're one. Yes, we celebrate that oneness but we maintain our individuality because he has gifted us differently to then serve each other. Notice what he says here in verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us. Now he's been talking so much, one, 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 right? One faith, one body, one uh, baptism, for one, for all, right? Like he's been very much like trying to pull us all together as one people. Then in verse seven, he says, and there's each one of you, that makes up that oneness. And he says, God has given to each one of you, not you collectively, not you as an all, but you, each individual, each of us has been given grace by God. So all true believers are members of God's body, Christ's body, but we're diverse within that body. 
Now think what we said in Ephesians chapter one, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. And I went to great lengths, hopefully during that time to to ground you in the idea that every spiritual blessing is enjoyed by every true believer, right? So it's not that one person gets justification, another person gets sanctification, this person over here didn't get either one, but he's gonna get glorification down the road, right? It's not that some of us are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, some of us aren't indwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? It's not that some of us have Christ's blood covering all of our sins, and then some of us only have the sins moving forward covered, right? Every spiritual blessing is enjoyed by every true believer. We all have the same spiritual blessings, but we all have differing spiritual gifts. We all have different gifts that God has given to us. We're individuals, we're different, we're unique, we're diverse, and we have different ways that we can use our faith to serve each other, to love each other, and to make him known in our context. All spiritual blessings, but different spiritual gifts. Look what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse four, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. So again, lots of gifts, but they all come from the Holy Spirit. Lots of ways to serve, but we're all doing it for the same Lord. Verse six, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. See what he's saying there is that Hey, there's a oneness factor here where we all have the same Holy Spirit empowering us to serve the same Jesus. But we're going to do that in a lot of different ways. We're going to do that in a lot of different ways. God's going to gift us differently. And when those gifts are working together in the local church, going back to what 1 Peter says, man, we're growing up and we're maturing, right? We're we're feasting on the word and we're using it. He says here in chapter four, further down, right? We're growing up into the head, Jesus Christ. We are growing as a body, maturing and becoming healthy as we use all of these different gifts together. Let's look at two points today. Number one, again, we're just gonna be in verse seven of chapter four moving forward now. Embrace the individuality you maintain in salvation. Embrace the individuality that you maintain in salvation. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Embrace this individuality that you maintain. Number one here, while we are unified in our salvation, we maintain our individuality to serve within the body. We said there's that distinct transition from the all of verse six to the each of verse seven, that each of us gives us significance. It helps us to see that even as this little church right here continues to grow, right? And some of you experienced that as you got here trying to find a place to sit. I mean, we're thankful that God continues to bring people to us so that we can worship together and serve him faithfully. But as we grow, right, God would never want us to get lost in the crowd and think, well, I'm not really needed or I'm not really important, right? We, talk, we talked at the beginning of chapter four, but we have to be humble, Right? We have to have a proper view of ourselves. We don't get puffed up and prideful and think, oh, I'm something special. But we also don't revert to the other uh, end of pride to where we become so humble, we become uh, kind of against ourselves to where we think like, I bring no value to the table, right? That's, that's what Paul's trying to contradict here. He's saying, look, each one of you has a gift. Each one of you has grace given to you and it comes from Christ's gift. It's according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
So in coming to Christ, we don't forfeit. Here, I'll put this up on the screen for you. In coming to Christ, we don't forfeit the uniqueness of who we are. Instead, we now display the uniqueness of who we are, but the key is transformed by him. Think about the implications of that. You are who you are before Christ. You've got uniqueness and different attributes and different aspects of things that you enjoy and ways that you're gifted, and then you get saved and the Holy Spirit indwells you. What we're saying is is that those things don't go away. You don't become some type of cookie-cutter Christian that's supposed to look like everybody, talk like everybody, and act like everybody that's at church together, right? That's typically what you would see in a cult, right, where you show up and you're like, you people are like all the same. Like, what's the matter with you, right? And they almost, it's almost like a robotic-type setting, right? That's not what the church is supposed to be. Christ's body is not supposed to be robotic, and it's not supposed to be identical. No, he says, you've got individuality that you maintain. God's giving you grace in your uniqueness, and he's transforming who you are to now be used by him. So in coming to Christ, we don't forfeit our uniqueness of who we are. Instead, we now display the uniqueness of who we are transformed by him. Those of you with kids, those of you with multiple kids, you may, as they're growing up and developing, you may catch yourself sometimes dreaming about how God's going to use them even in the ways that you're starting to see their differences at a young age, right? You start to see personality traits. You start to see even ways that they exhibit a tender heart towards other people, right? I love that our kids get on board with uh, what it means to be hospitable to where when we, like they want people to come over to our house, they're constantly asking us, hey, who's coming over tonight? When are we having somebody over, right? But even in like things that they're, they're unified in, like things that they do together, there's also ways that Lauren and I will catch ourselves just watching our kids. And I begin to think like, man, Abram's a lot like so-and-so in my mind. And I hope that God uses him one day in the same ways that he's using that individual that I'm thinking of, right? I watch AJ and the ways that he functions and the things that he does. And I, and I dream about how God's going to take his uniqueness and use it for his glory, right? Mally and Apollos, they're different than the other two. They bring a uniqueness to the table that when transformed by him, like I long to see how God's going to use them in, in lots of different ways to serve him because we maintain this individuality. Each one of us has been given a level of grace to be used in service to him. So we don't forfeit it. Instead, we have it transformed. We maintain our uniqueness. We maintain our individuality. We maintain the things that make you you, but now you're using them for his glory, All right? Number two. While we are called to work within the body, the grace to do so keeps us humble in our service. So we're unified in our salvation. We maintain our individuality, though. Now we're seeing that we're called to do some work in light of the fact that God has given us grace. He's given us gifts to use. While we're called to work within the body, the grace to do so keeps us humble in our service. God's grace is needed to spiritually transform who we are so that we can use what we have for his glory rather than our own. That's the transforming feature that, that, that you know, we want to remember here. Because remember in verse 2 he says, with all humility, gentleness, and patience we're to love each other. Now he's telling us, and you've been supernaturally gifted to do so. But that grace piece reminds us anything that we accomplish for him, I mean, that's got to be tempered in our belief that we've done something. Right, we have to temper the fact that, hey, 
The only way I'm able to accomplish anything for God's glory is because that's been given to me. That ability has been given to me. It's been supernaturally transformed in me to where I'm not using my uniqueness for me, for self-centered purposes anymore. I'm using them to grow others and to serve others, to love others, and to point them to Jesus. Think about that. That's what's happening here. We're being called to use our gifts. And like I said, we're going to see this in the coming weeks as he begins to talk specifically about how some of us use those gifts. But he starts by saying that grace is given to each one of us. Grace, getting this this gift that we don't deserve, getting the ability to, to be a part of God's family and to use our uniqueness for his glory, that's not something that we deserve. And yet we've been given access to that. We've been given the privilege of that. Grace is given to each one of us. And so it keeps us humble, knowing that as we work for him, it's really him working through us. His grace defeats our pride so that we can be what we are meant to be and do what we are meant to do for him. Let me say that again. His grace defeats our pride so that we can be what we are meant to be and do what we are meant to do. Think about what we're told, what we're told in Ephesians 2. We are saved for good works, Right? We went to great lengths during that time to talk about how good works don't save us, but we don't just take good works and throw them away as though they're so evil that they should never come up in the topic of the gospel, right? The gospel is the fact that we are saved without our good works, and yet the gospel also tells us we are saved to now do good works. Our good works come after salvation. And so while we work in this way, we do so humbly because it's his grace that's been given to us so that we can work for him. His grace, therefore, gives us the ability to perform the tasks that God has called us to do. All right, so point number one, we embrace the individuality. Be who you are. Be excited about who you are. Be excited about how God has made you, right? We teach this all the time at Trinity when we talk about being image bearers of God, that each individual student, not just at Trinity, but any school, but in our context, we say every student at Trinity created in the image of God, created with unique gifts and abilities to be used for him and his glory. We embrace that individuality. Number two, we embrace the supernatural ability that we gain in salvation. So we embrace the individuality that we maintain. We come to Christ, we are saved, but we don't lose our identity in the ways that he created us uniquely. Instead, we embrace that individuality. We turn our unique things about who we are to him. He transforms those. By his grace, we can be humbly then using those things to serve him. And we keep in mind this supernatural aspect that comes with it. Grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. These things are supernaturally given to us. And Christ is the one measuring them out and giving them out. He's the source. He's the one who distributes these gifts to us through the Holy Spirit. So this idea of measuring is taking place here. So let's look at what that means. Number one, what exactly is he measuring? Well, he's measuring the ways that we're going to be gifted to serve. So he's measuring the gifts that are going to be given to us. Our giftedness to serve the body varies in the ways that we serve. Our giftedness to serve the body varies in the ways that we serve. So Christ is measuring these things out and he's giving to us a level of giftedness, but it's not the same, it's different. It's not the same, it's different. Look what Romans chapter 12 says. Romans chapter 12, verse three. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. This this is Paul saying exactly what we're saying here in the book of Ephesians, that God gives a variety of gifts to all of us. We are meant to use those, but to keep ourselves in check about how highly we think of ourselves, right? Instead, to recognize that these are grace-based gifts that are given to us, and we are to use them not for selfish gain, but for the upbuilding of others. We don't think too highly of ourselves. We think of enough of ourselves, though, in relation to what God has done for us to now serve. Let me say that again. We don't think too highly of ourselves, but we do think enough of ourselves in relationship to what God has done for us to now serve Him. Again, it's that idea that we come back to. We don't go to the opposite extreme of being prideful. We maintain a healthy perspective of the fact that, hey, God has saved me. And even though I feel insignificant at times, maybe, even though I feel useless at times, maybe. I need to embrace the truth of what God's word says and speak against that, that voice in my head that's trying to tell me that, that I don't have a place to serve or I don't have ways to serve, to realize, man, God's word says contrary. God's word says that every member of the body has a role to play. Just like a physical body is made up of a whole lot of different parts, collectively they make one body. Together they are better, right? Together they are better. And that's what we see in the body of Christ. And that's what we're seeing in these passages that we're looking at today. Gifts are given to each of us for the purpose of enriching the life and faith of others in our church. We're being given different ways to to have ministry opportunities to serve the church with our gifts. And we're granted the grace needed to serve and build up the body in a variety of ways that are oftentimes unique to us. So God, Christ is giving these gifts out. He's measuring this giftedness and he's giving them out in a variety of ways. And he's not giving everything out the same way. And he's not giving it out in the same level. He's measuring it out and he's identifying you and and who you are and what you need and how he can fill you with his grace to then turn around and serve. And we get into trouble when we start comparing ourselves to others and we start seeing how other people are gifted and wanting to be gifted in those same ways and downplaying the ways that he's gifted us. Some of you may have seen, some of you who are really big Star Wars fans will have seen... Um, some of you are just average Star Wars fans, and that's okay. There's a place for you, too. Um, but some of you are, like, really diehard Star Wars fans, and you saw back in the 80s these separate movies that were like the Ewok adventures, right? Not great movies, but they fit into the Star Wars universe, and so they're good because they're Star Wars, right? Um, but there's this scene. They go on this journey, and these guys are all collected together, and you've got different alien beings there that are going to go try to accomplish something, And these gifts are being given out for the journey. These different gifts are being handed out. And one of the the human boys in the story, he gets like a crummy rock. And he's mad about it. He even throws it down and says, this is useless. Like, this is dumb. Like, I want what they got. Like, some of them got weapons. And this one girl got like a light, a candle that like never goes out. And like, it's just really cool gifts. And he's got like a crummy rock. He's just like, whatever. And so they go on their journey and they get to this point where they have to access this mountain and they don't know how to get in, right? And then somebody says, hey, I bet your rock could help us. And the guy's like, I don't have it anymore. I threw it away. 
And this really awesome Ewok comes up and hands him the rock and says, I picked it up for you, right? And so he drops it on the ground and it like shoots into the ground and shows him where the entrance to the rock is, right? I lost some of you with that because you're like, I don't even like a little bit of Star Wars. The point of the illustration is that we stand before Christ, right? Like we're preparing for this journey or this task-based adventure. And he's giving gifts to us, gifts that we need to use for him. And some of us are guilty of saying, I got the crummy rock. Like, like this is no good. Like, I want what he has or I want what she has. And if this is all I've got, then I'm just going to throw it away. I'm not going to do anything with that. What Paul's trying to help us see is that by God's grace, we have all been gifted in some way to make some type of impact through the individuality of how God has created us. When we go through membership process here, um, one, of my, one of my favorite things that Tyson always brings up when we're sitting down and talking with an individual or a family at the very end of the membership process, he always brings up the fact, he says, we want you to know how thankful we are that you are now part of our body because there are things that we have been missing as a church that we didn't even know we were missing and you're going to bring those now that you have joined our local church. We don't think about that oftentimes. When a new individual or a new family joins our church that hasn't been with us for the past couple of years, hasn't been with us since we planted our church 10 years ago, and we rejoice when God brings new people to us because they're bringing gifts and abilities that haven't previously been here. Maybe in some ways they have, but not to the same level and not in the same unique ways that that person possesses those gifts. And so we rejoice when new people come because they're bringing something to the table that we haven't had previously. They're bringing some level of ministry that will now become an outflowing of this church because God has brought them here. And no one individual is equipped to do everything, right? We each possess something unique by his grace to bring as a way to serve. We experienced some transition with uh, my leadership team at Trinity this year. Previously, I've had individuals that have served under me that have kind of had a bulk of responsibility to carry out. I changed that this year, and in the uh, springtime, I began to sit down with individual members of my team and highlighted things that I think they do really well, and I asked them to take on that specific role this year on my teaching team. And now, instead of having one or two individuals trying to do everything, we've tried to maximize the ways that God has gifted our teaching staff and ask them to all do a bunch of different things, but it's the things that they do really well. That concept comes from here in Ephesians where we are gifted in unique ways and we are meant to use those gifts for his purpose. So what is he measuring? He's measuring our giftedness and he's giving it out to us. Various ways that we can serve. Number two, he's also measuring how much he gives to us. Our giftedness to serve the body varies in the levels that we serve as well. It varies in the ways that we serve, but it also varies in the levels that we serve too. Each person has received this enabling, serving grace in the exact, perfect measure or proportion that Christ intended to give to us. Let me say that again. Each has received this enabling, serving grace. So we all have this grace-based gifts that are given to us, and they're given to us in the exact perfect, perfect measurement or the exact perfect proportion that Christ intended to give to us. 
Some of us are going to use our gifts and abilities and they will be on display for more people to see. Others of us may have a really similar gift and it may be used behind the scenes in ways that not very many people see. And both are really important. Both are really important. He gives out different measurements of his gift to us. And he's, ex- he's decided exactly how much we need. Go back to 1 uh, Corinthians 12, verse 11. He's just rattled off a list of gifts, and we'll talk about some of these in the coming weeks uh, right, before cha- right before verse 11. So you may have this gift or this gift or this gift or this gift. Verse 11 says, All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Notice what that says. The Holy Spirit gives us these gifts, and then he decides to give it to us on different levels based on God's will. Based on God's will. So some of us will use these gifts on a grander scale than others. Some of us will have more gifts that we're using than others. But what can't be lost in all of that is that every one of us has a gift, a grace-based gift that was given to us in our unique individual aspects of who we are, and we're meant to use that to serve him. Christ has decided how to distribute so that no grounds for jealousy or pride should exist. So think about this two-sided coin here. No feelings of inadequacy should exist amongst us because all have something to contribute. All of us have something to give. All of us have ways that we can serve. There should also be no feelings of superiority. No one can contribute everything that's needed. No feelings of inadequacy. All have something to contribute, but no feelings of superiority where no one can contribute everything needed. We each have a gift that's been measured out to us, which implies distinct capabilities with specific parameters and purposes. Let me say that again. Each has a gift that's been measured out to us, which implies distinct capabilities, meaning Christ measured out gifts to give to you, to each one of us, not to sovereign hope, not to any other local church in this area, right? Like there's not a big bag of gifts that he just kind of dumps and lets it kind of separate where it will. No, it says that each one of us has been gifted. Each one of us has a gift that's been measured to you, which implies distinct capabilities, but he's also given us a measure of that gift, which implies specific parameters and purposes, So now our job is to find those gifts, realize those gifts, use those gifts, and use them in the capacities that he gives to us. Use them in the capacities that he gives to us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Again, he's talked about ways to serve right before this. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That's a great summary sentence for what we've talked about today. Everyone has received a gift. Everyone has received it to serve one another. And we should be good stewards of how God has given to us in a variety of ways, right? We're all gifted differently. And that's great, and that's needed. We're not cookie-cutter people. We're not going to be the same, nor should we be. We come to Christ, and we enjoy unity and oneness, and we celebrate that. So while we're really different, 
We come together and we celebrate how we are most like each other, and that's through the gospel. But as we celebrate those things, we celebrate how we are still different and how we need those differences if we're going to make a difference in this community. Our identity truths for today. Number one, or only one today. Every Christian has been blessed by God's grace with unique ways to serve within the local church. Every Christian has been blessed by God's grace with unique ways to serve within the local church. This is true about every believer here today. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, what are these type of gifts and how do we use them? You'll have to come back because I told you we were only doing verse 7 today, right? So that's just a big intro for how we're going to approach the coming verses in the coming weeks. So, hey, you're all welcome to come back and learn more about this. Let's look at our application questions for this week. Application questions to ask yourself this week. Number one, am I currently and consistently looking for ways to serve others in the church in response to what I'm learning in the Word? Am I currently and consistently looking for ways to serve others in the church in response to what I'm learning in the Word? Again, this goes back to how we started this sermon when we said that these things flow out of our time in the Word. So we're reading things, learning things, studying things, being impacted by God's Word, and then we are turning around and using what we've learned to serve others. Am I currently consistently looking for ways to serve others in the church? And I'm not talking about programs and ministry teams because we don't have a lot of that here, right? We've been small over the years. We haven't had a need for a bunch of ministry teams and programs, not to say that those things won't be added as we continue to grow, but we're talking about you specifically as an individual just looking for ways to be you in this church for the good of others, to be you in this church in the ways that God has created you to encourage others, to love others, to serve others, which ties in with number two. What are the unique traits that make me, me, and how can I use my individuality to serve others more faithfully? What has God done in your life? What grace has he given to you? Some of you might have the really cool little candle that never blows out, and that's awesome. Some of you have that rock, and we're gonna need that rock at some point too. And it may not always seem as cool as that little candle, but it's really cool. And it was given to you by God's grace. And while all of us may not always see the use of it, somebody's going to see the use of that rock at some point, right? We've all got varied ways of grace that we have been given by God to serve each other. What are those unique ways that you can serve others in the church? Are you doing that now? Are you currently and consistently looking for ways to do that now? And what are those unique traits that maybe you haven't thought about before? Maybe you came in here today kind of being in that camp of people who doesn't always feel like you bring a whole lot to the table, don't really feel like you're useful, don't really feel like you're needed. And hopefully you'll leave today realizing that God's word says you are. Not because there's anything about you that God says, I need you. It's God says, I have given you exactly what you need to be used by me. I've given you a ton of grace and I've given it to you to be used in the life of others. And so hopefully over the coming weeks, we can cultivate that in each other and, and draw some of those things out and use the ways that God has gifted you to further this community of believers right here, as Ephesians 4 tells us, to grow up in our faith, to reach a status of maturity where we are learning and growing more and more about how to love Jesus until he comes back. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace towards us. 
We thank you for that saving grace that we enjoy where we are believers because of the gospel. We are believers because Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sins. And we have every spiritual blessing as a result of that. We thank you and praise you for that. We thank you for the oneness that exists here. That while we are really different, we celebrate where we are most the same, and that's the gospel saving us from darkness and ushering us into light, giving us that one hope of your return. But God, I pray that we would see the reminder today here that each one of us has been gifted in a unique and special way to serve others as we serve you. God, I pray that we would realize that, we'd see that, and we would recognize and see that when we're not using our gifts, that even even in times when we don't realize it, others are suffering because of that, because you gave us those gifts and intended us to be good stewards of them. So God, help us to to spend some time of self-reflection this week, to reflect on what you have done in our life. Not so we can take credit for uh, things that we possess and gifts that we have. We're not looking to to grow prideful this week by asking these questions of ourselves. We're looking to celebrate you, to to look at the ways that you've created us and to, to give you glory and honor for the uniqueness that we possess. And then to not just be unique for the sake of being unique, not just being us for the sake of being us, but to be a display of our uniqueness in ways that you've transformed us so that we're not who we are for ourselves, we're who we are for others to point others to you. God, I pray that you'd challenge us in the coming weeks that we would be faithful stewards of the graceful gifts that you have given to us. Help us to cling to those things, to treasure those things, to celebrate those things by using those things, using the ways that you've gifted us for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.